0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is your light. And as we walk in this light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. What a joy this morning to be able to to be in that light. The light shines on us today from Ephesians chapter 4. Paul gives us a high calling as Christian people, put on a new self, put away falsehood, be angry, but do not sin, be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving as Christ has forgiven you. A high calling for sure. How can we do this? We'll find out this morning as the Lord will lead us by his word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of thy strong word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor David Fleming of Our Savior Lutheran Church and School in Grand Rapids in Michigan, and also Executive Director for Spiritual Care with Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. Pastor Fleming, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you, Pastor Fenner, and what a joy to be with you today. Pastor, this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word. Of course, we do know each other, and that could be another time, another place, but what we found on Thy Strong Word is that we have new listeners all the time. People around the world, recently from Hong Kong, um, different parts of the country, Hawaii included in this, and people who have been listening not for 20 years, even though they could be, but you know, first-time listeners I hear all the time. So, Pastor, can you introduce yourself, the work of the saints at Our Savior, and your and, and also give us some highlights of your work with Toxology. Certainly. What a joy. Uh, um, I've been a pastor for
1: 33 years. I'm uh, here in Grand Rapids for the last 28 of those, uh, serving as senior pastor for 27 years at our Savior Lutheran Church and School, and then for the last year and so uh, as associate pastor here, part-time associate, while I'm also then executive director for uh uh, spiritual care at doxology. Our Savior Church, we're on the southeast side of Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a pretty good-sized city in, in Michigan. Um, we're half a mile from Calvin University and Calvin Seminary. That's uh, the Christian Reformed Church's um, main education institutions. We have an outstanding parish school that's preschool through eighth grade. uh, uh just recently, I was able to meet with our school faculty, what a delightful group of people, um, and uh, really engaged and doing a great job through this COVID time. Mm. And uh, with Doxology, we have uh, I've been uh, executive director since August of uh, 2020, and we've been uh, focusing always in Doxology's history on helping the classic understanding of the care of souls, that... Mm. Uh, The pastoral office is to care for people's souls, to bring them uh, through God's word to the consolation won for us by Christ, uh, and teaching pastors how best to care for souls in all the different kind of tangled troubles in this chaotic world that we run into. Also during uh, COVID time, we've been working on a project called Take Heart, which are respite retreats four pastors. And our Senate amazingly has stepped up and made this available to all Missouri Synod pastors free of charge. Um, So on our website, doxology.us, if you click on the take heart button at the top, uh, you can look at the available uh, retreats for your pastor to to come to. And we found these, uh, well, the men have reviewed them as being very helpful and strengthening and coming at just the right time. Uh, as these pastors have been amazing leading their congregations through this challenging time.
0: I had a friend who went through one of the Take Heart uh, Respite Retreats, and he told me about—I don't know if he sat with you or with uh, Dr. Beverly Yonke, who was also an executive director for Doxology. And they asked him, "Well, how'd it go?" And his comment um, to me, what he said was, "Well, halfway in, I didn't like it." <laughs> I was like, "Well, that's not a good review." But then he said, "What I, what I, what I was not admitting is that I was burnt out." Uh, covid he said I barely have taken a Sunday off I've barely taken a day off since covid started and by the end he started to realize his need to be able to unwind and to rest and to uh, uh refocus a little bit and he said that's what the respite retreat did for him wonderful
1: I you know at the beginning we we do talk pretty openly about the challenges we've been living through and it you know those are dark things and you uh, I mean, there's a lot of joyful gospel in the midst of that, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you know, tired, worn out guys. It's it's hard to hear the gospel when you're, <laughs> when you're right. really at the end of yourself. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad to Wonderful. hear that he was encouraged.
0: Absolutely, and so for everybody who is listening right now, first of all, pray for your pastors. Um, pray for those who serve you, and also those who serve other communities or ones that you know. For example, for example, I always I hope that people that knew me in high school and college pray for me because they know who I really am in many ways. And so pray for your pastors as they go through their journey to preach and teach as they continue to pray for you. And if you're interested in doxology, go to www.doxology.us. Doxology. Pastor, as we are uh, digging into Ephesians chapter 4, can you begin us and ask the Lord's blessings for our time in prayer? Certainly. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly
1: Father, we thank you for your abundant mercy in calling us out of our full and complete rebellion against you that we inherited from our first parents walking in the way of this world and according to its course We thank and praise you that you gave your son into the death of the cross to kill all hostility and to bring us into fellowship with you by the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, give us your Holy Spirit that we may rightly take to heart your word this day and uh, lead us in the new life you've given us in baptism into your son's death and resurrection that we may walk in your way and to be a lights of forgiveness and kindness and mercy in a rageful and dark world through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
0: Amen. As we look at chapter four, I would say that the beginning of chapter four is a transition from showing, as it says in chapter three, the mystery of the gospel revealed. Um, it talks about that. He's led to prayer and praise. In chapter four, it already begins in verse one about, um, uh, he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And and this is is a transition from here all the way to the end of the letter that really puts some practical speaking about how the forgiven life looks. So as we begin uh, our study and really jumping off of many other things prior, do you have any um, background or contextual information to help us out? Certainly. So this walk theme is a big deal. Um, uh, It's been in
1: Ephesians chapter two and here in uh, Ephesians chapter four at the beginning of chapter four, and now uh, again here at verse 17 and going forward. Back in chapter two, if you remember, uh, it talked about how... uh, uh, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And so we were stuck in this uh, slavery to walking the way the world walks, which then uh, in Ephesians 2, after we're saved by grace, then were his workmanship uh, that we can walk in the good works that God's prepared beforehand that we should do them. So you, mm, you go mm-hmm. from, it's it's a chiastic structure, right? So you're going from forced to being walked the broken way of the world into the freedom of the gospel and being able to walk in this good stuff that the Lord desires. Then in chapter four, right, begins with, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Uh, so now so we've got this incredibly high calling. I, it, it is pretty amazing. It is isn't it uh, <laughs> that that you and I and and our listeners who are in Christ Jesus we've been called to be sons and daughters of the ruler of the cosmos. I, that that the God who created everything uh, adopted us into his family and has You know, is eager to hear what we have to say to him, our prayers. Mm. He's Mm -hmm. eager to deliver his gifts to us, to invite us to his divine table, to sit at the highest table with him and his own son as his son comes to us in his body and blood. I mean, this is a ridiculously high calling we have. And and we kind of, you know, glum around in life like we're uh Oh, well, like we're in slavery or it's drudgery or whatever. Well, that's crazy talk. We have been <laughs> we've been set free into this incredible calling. So Paul's urging us now to walk in that. And then that leads right into um, verse 17, where, uh, you know, that we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. But we're going to walk in this freedom in Christ, which allows us to be... Uh, want recipients of God's blessing um, by uh, the forgiveness delivered to us in baptism, by the unity He's put us in through mm. the work of the Holy Spirit, to then deliver blessing to, uh, well, a darkened and chaotic and futile and ugly world that desperately needs the light of our Lord Jesus, uh, who's uh, who sh- who shone on us in forgiveness and mercy every day of our life.
0: And, and you said that so well, of here is Almighty God, um, and He wants to, and I think I've heard you say this before, Almighty God comes uh, who has created our ability to speak comes to this world and can't speak for at least a year. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Isn't that insane? And
0: it's insane to think about. You know, it's insane. To, I, I never thought about that before you said that. And and here you, you said the, the creator of the cosmos has called us. It's hard not to think about the baptismal imagery in Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And so... Uh, I really as you said that it strikes me that really Ephesians one through three is that identity piece where he just lays out the foundation. This is who you are, Gentiles, Jews, all united in Christ. And now he puts on that identity and that outflow by the power of the Holy Spirit into our everyday life, how to live that holy life. Any any thoughts on that, on that thought? Wow, that's absolutely beautiful, right? So hmm. the, he um he does
1: Clearly, I mean Ephesians one is that amazing uh, uh, doxology of praise to God for His glorious grace, uh, mm. the the glory of His grace that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, give a rip about us and more than a rip they they give everything for us they make themselves vulnerable for the purpose of of delivering us out of death into life and then now we get to walk and live in that and yeah it gets i think it gets very practical here um and uh, we're going to see that even more in chapter five I think also but mm, it, mm-hmm. at, but this this is now this nice transition right from being put in this, uh, oh, uh, this unity, this incredible oneness of uh, the saving completed work of Christ, uh, which is given to us—it's it's ours to be zealous to maintain it. We don't create it, um, and now we get to live that out in the way we in the way we walk in our daily life.
0: Wonderful. So let's get started. Let's dig into the scriptures. Open your Bibles, open your iPad, whatever it might be, for the gifts are ready. Reminder to our listeners, we will be reading from the English Standard Version of the scriptures. We'll begin by kind of starting a little bit on a dark note. So let's go 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the fulfilling of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So I think it's a pretty strong message there about the Gentiles. So tell me what's up with the Gentiles? (laughs) <laughs> well
1: so so <laughs> Ephesians you remember Paul lived there for 3 years right mm-hmm. so he got to know this is the longest he's pastor anywhere i mean if in so many places he's the guy that gets the things started or he comes to visit them after they had gotten started but here at Ephesus there was nothing there till he gets there and and he is their pastor for for three years, hmm. uh, ran into all sorts of opposition from uh, from the Jews, from the magicians uh, of the day, and then ultimately from the uh, idol industrial complex. I call it the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Artemis uh, factory workers who made the the silversmiths who made these little statues of this. Uh, of this idol that, uh, that, uh, allegedly fell from heaven and her shrine was there at Ephesus. Although the big, beautiful one had burned down, mm. um, it had been, uh, attacked by arson, um, and they rebuilt it, but it wasn't anything like its former glory. And, mm. you know, there is this at Ephesus, there is, this recognition that we're kind of past our prime, that the society's falling apart, um, that all of this is kind of futile and empty. And uh and so uh they get they're they're filled with rage against Paul because he's causing them not to be able to sell their idols. But right. but but there, that rage is a substitute. It's, it's a way to distract from the deep emptiness the people there at Ephesus felt. Right, the plays of the time said the best you could do was to not be born or to die right after you were born. I mean, this is a, a really dark time um, where there isn't a sense that there's a loving God and that there's a purpose to our life. And uh, and if you ask me, there's a lot of parallels here, uh, Pastor Fenner, mm-hmm. of what we're living in now, um, where we... We kind of know the U.S. in a lot of ways. Sure, seems like it's past its prime. Um, I was just reading in the paper yesterday that Germany and uh, the European Union are kind of like, well, we don't really care what the U.S. thinks anymore. Um, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> wow, what a change! Um, and and uh, and all around us, we got people who don't recognize that they have eternal souls. That they mm-hmm. have a God who loves them. That there's a meaning and purpose to things, right? So this futility of mind, this darkening of understanding, this alienated life, um, uh, because of their agnostic way, their ignorance, they they they're um, and they've got hard hearts and they're callous. They don't even feel anything anymore. They don't feel the heartbreak of unborn babies being uh, aborted or. Um, or they don't they don't feel the heartbreak of uh, oh a, a girl struggling with her identity and maybe thinking she's a boy and I I, I oh I feel for her, mm-hmm. um, but they're just like well whatever you know slice away or or just give some meds to make this go away there it, it, there's there's no there's no sense of a big picture and a God who makes sense of this and that's this darkness that. Uh, causes anger and frustration and rage have you noticed people are kind of grumpy when they drive these days um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe not in Minnesota where you are That's they're right. all, they're all, all this and yeah but around here you know <laughs> yeah i mean it, uh yeah it's a it's a dark picture isn't it
0: absolutely and that's a very good insight in the sense of that in ephesus cuz you had that big shrine to artemis right i mean yeah. it's huge and you're saying that this shrine that they walk by every day was now smaller than the old one is that what yeah. you're saying yeah yeah it was <laughs> it was and they know it they know it's less than the previous thing oh. and
1: uh, you know i mean it's it, the the fading glory of of the false God, right? That it's, you know, our false gods can't carry the weight that we think they're going to carry. And this was, you could see this clearly at Ephesus and uh, which leads to then, you know, well, let's just, you know, be Epicureans and make our, uh, let's maximize our pleasure, our sensuality and, and, Enjoy life, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. I mean, it's it's that's the image here of uh, you know their sensuality and their greed for impurity. Uh, it, it's um, a depraved, empty life. How how sad.
0: And it, and it is something that, like you said, it very much so relates to today, and it re- relates to pretty much all cultures of all time, uh, that, that there, no matter what we do, there will be ones who are calloused, um, giving themselves up to things that they think will give them an identity, um, sensuality, and greed, and, and any kind of impurity to say, well, this is who I am. This is how I was made, or this is what I was born as, as opposed to seeing, like we said, that that you have been claimed by the, the creator of all things. And, and he thought enough of you to bring you to this world, even to the point of, of engraving your name onto the palm of his hands. And so this is very, very drab, very, um, I, I, I don't use big words, but Debbie Downer-ish of, of the mentality. And he says, don't walk that way. You don't have to walk that way. That's not who you are. No. And I think good reminder for us, this is not you. This does not have to be you because there's something more. Any yeah. last thoughts on those first verses? Well,
1: and Paul's uh, Paul's prohibition against walking this way, or it's a very strong, right? Mm-hmm. You, you must not walk this way because you've been freed from it, right? So mm-hmm. you you don't have to go back to the slavery to emptiness and darkness.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it, uh, you know, it, it, it's how easy it is for us to get into that mindset and how we need um, a, a preacher. If you need the message to be proclaimed to us, that is, is done by your pastor. Um, I, I can think of my own parents um, preaching that into me. I can think of specific teachers that I had growing up, Sunday school teachers, um, people in college that they, they preach this into. This is not who you are. Who you are is a child of the living Lord, Amen. let's move on. Um, Twenty through twenty-four. As we get into some, okay, that's the Gentiles. Don't don't do that. But now he's going to lead us forward, very gently, I would argue, and very lovingly to how who you are in the new self. Twenty through twenty-four. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you had heard about him and were taught in him as the truths in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Thoughts on those verses, pastor? Well, isn't that just
1: a beautiful picture that, that (laughs) we put on this, kynoth self, this new-again new, new again self, the restored better than its original factory manufacturing in the Garden of Eden. We're even better than that. Um, and we're, what is that? We're in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You know, Pastor Finner— er, I have not had a day in my life where I put my head on the pillow at the end of the day and said, thank you, Lord, I lived a perfect life today. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I have not pulled it off yet. Um, but but the baptismal garment we got to put on at our baptism, um, and that is restored every time we repent and uh, believe the gospel, is that we've got the true righteousness of Christ and his complete holiness it we don't own it it's his but he lends it to us and covers us with it and mm. i mean if we could if we could see us as he sees us right what joy that would be um that so mm. this is this new life we got right so why would you want to go i mean years ago a friend of mine was getting married well i'll just tell you it was dr paul grimm um mm. and mm-hmm. uh and I was the best man and it was my job to provide the sandwiches uh between pictures and the wedding and uh and I like a dummy got the sandwiches filled with all sorts of olive oil and other things and so they were kind of drippy and so now the bride's got to eat and she's got her beautiful wedding dress on and she's got to eat the sloppy sandwich so uh, what we did was <laughs> we piled all sorts of towels all over her. Um, and then oh, um, we had her hold her hands back. Right. So her sleeves didn't get it. And then I'm there holding a towel under her chin as somebody else feeds her the sandwich. Right. Uh, Cause look, oh, you got this, gosh. you got this beautiful white garment and you're not going to go, you know, on the front of it, you know, and, <laughs> and if, if we could live that way, right. If we could recognize that in our life, you know, We've been set free from that, That right? It's, right. And uh, anyway, in the holiness and righteousness of Christ given to us. Absolutely.
0: As it says, I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong as we go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> as we, as, you know, we, we, we end with that prayer. and But then we always say, "For into your hands, I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. You know, all of that is back in his hands. And I would definitely say, I I don't know if I have a good visual of their David Fleming holding a towel over the bride (laughs) while she's eating. That is quite fascinating. A true servant, I would say, but kind of the servant because you messed up before. Anyways, um, so he speaks about the old self and the new self. Can you kind of distinguish that for us?
1: Yeah, so the 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 old self would be the the uh the sinful Adam, the old Adam, which he talked about back at the beginning of chapter 2, uh, mm-hmm. that walked according to Satan's way and the world's way and uh was an enemy of God and was dead in trespasses and since We couldn't we couldn't rouse ourselves to do anything uh that was good or pleasing to God. And then he's given us this new life in baptism. That's the the new self. Uh uh Done by the Holy Spirit. Right. So um, and that's his point there with the renewed in the spirit of your minds. Right. So the, yeah. the, the spirit has made us new again uh, in our uh, not only by forgiving us, but also changing the way we think. Right. So we recognize uh, that this world is darkened and we're in the light of Christ and his joy.
0: And that's very helpful to understand, is that you have the old Adam and the new self. Old Adam, the the flesh, um, the the selfish desires, and what we, what we are without Christ. And the new self is what we have in Christ, and it's continually being renewed. And those two, uh, you don't want to say they're going side by side, but there's a battle between the two your whole life in repentance and receiving the forgiveness of sins. And this is very helpful as we move on. Um, beyond this break to talk about what does this look like, what does it mean for our conscience to have a clear conscience, and how do we live out this Christian life. But right now we need to take a break. We are studying Ephesians chapter 4 with Pastor David Fleming, and we'll be right back.
1: On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org.
0: And welcome back! We are studying Ephesians chapter 4 with Pastor David Fleming. We have gotten through the first eight verses of, of uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. And we have raised, set the tone of understanding of what was happening around the Ephesians, um, what they what they exhorted to, don't do that anymore. And he says, put on the new self. And I wanted to do this a little bit, and I wanted to get your thoughts here, Pastor Fleming, because I think this is important for our listeners as well, is that when we talk about the Christian life, an important aspect of the care of souls that you spoke about at the beginning of our program, is the understanding of the conscience. And the conscience is not uh, what you hear about in Pinocchio of let your conscience be your guide, at least in, the, in our biblical sense that we're talking about here, is the understanding of what is my relationship with God? What is my relationship with anybody? It's like a mirror. You know, you look and go, oh, I don't know if I'm in a good relationship with with that thing I'm looking at or the person that I'm looking at as well. Where well, we understand these first eight verses really say you have a good relationship with God. You have a clear conscience with God because your sins are forgiven. You put on the new self, the robes of righteousness, as you as you described with the wedding, um, the wedding garment, I guess you would call it Mm -hmm. situation. And, And there's a good relationship we have with God. That's what happens in worship. That's what happens when you take communion. We leave with the blessing of our Lord and we know that we are right with God and then therefore with one another. But with that comes another sense of a clear conscience. It's where God gives us an understanding of this is what you do to be a godly person. This is what a holy one does. Any thoughts on a clear conscience? And as we look at these next number of verses. So
1: the analogy I like for a conscience, the one that works really well for me, is that of a window. Mm, Uh, The -hmm. the conscience is like a window through which we look at the world um, and everything around us um, and and ourselves too. And when that window is dirty, when we have a dirty conscience, when a guilty conscience, um, it's all covered with dirt and mud. And then everything looks dark. Um, and, and everybody looks evil and their motives are bad and, and everything is awful. Um, when we have a clean conscience, when God, Christ forgives us and, uh, uh, and that, that forgiveness is applied by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we get a clean window and it, you know, clean windows on a house or a car make the whole world look a lot better. Don't they? Mm-hmm. And then, but then then we can see things as they really are. Um, not everything is light. There are some things out there that are dirty or dark or gross. Um, but we can see then the good things and we can see the unclean things, the bad things. So when we have a good conscience, when we know that we have forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ and we repented of our sins and and are absolved, um, we can then see those things we want to avoid, which uh, you know, God's law shows us are dirty and wrong and painful, and and the the best way to live. Uh, which is uh, good and blesses us and blesses others. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'm trying to say what you're saying.
0: Yeah, we're saying, yeah, exactly right. And, and, and that's very helpful because that helps us to see the Gentiles, that the Gentiles were looking through a window, a dirty window, if you will. Yeah. that they didn't see the, the 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 light of Jesus they didn't see the 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 promises out there the 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 cosmos that our lord has created for us and that they were part of this. And so that's something for us to remember too that in the world we can just get really drab and say how dare those people are like that. But part of it is how can we proclaim the excellencies of Christ to show them of uh, the clear conscience that they can have, that the world is redeemed. The world is in his hands. I mean, this is a perfect way to think through that about through the clear window. Yes, that was my goal to try to say it that way. So thank you for clearing that up. Oh, what a joy. uh, Let's continue on here because it unfolds, how can I live and look through that window in a holy way? 25 through 27. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another, one of another. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Here, there's some good practical observations, but there's also a spiritual aspect to these and these verses. Any thoughts on the spiritual end of this? Yes. Yeah, so th-
1: this is where we have this real spiritual battle, I think, in our life. Um, look, we all get angry, Um And isn't it interesting that not only are we supposed to speak the truth and not falsehood, not pseudo stuff, but the real thing, Um, but uh, we are to be angry, but not to sin in that. Now, uh, anger happens when, uh, anger is like the flip side of love, the coin of love. So when something we love gets attacked, then we have anger. Jesus gets angry when the children are kept away from him because he loves children and he wants to bless them. He gets angry when the Gentile courts are used for the exchange of animals and coins and all that at the temple because he loves us Gentiles and wants us to have a pray, place to pray as well. So it, he gets angry in both those situations. Um, a lot of times, uh, sadly, Pastor Finner, I get angry because somebody bruises my very delicate ego. <laughs> and, uh, and so that I get, and, and that or I get get angry at you vikings fans but um anyway <laughs> um uh, but uh, and that's just kind of silly and wrong but mm-hmm. but when we have righteous anger right when um there is such a thing as righteous anger jesus has it uh, the problem is with anger um even when it's righteous anger is that it has a short shelf life um it's got the shelf life of manna Right. So if you, mm-hmm. if you keep the manna for more than a day, except on the Sabbath day, it breeds worms and stinks, uh, stinks to hive heaven. So <laughs> um, and it ticks Moses off. Uh, why did you keep that manna around? I told you not to do that. Right. So that's when we hold on to anger, um, even when it's righteous anger, even when someone sinned against us, what that does is it destroys us on the inside, it ends up cutting off our love toward our neighbor. Um, God wants us to love our neighbor even those who sin against us um, we we can confront someone who sinned against us some sometimes um, and perhaps they'll repent and we can be reconciled that way or perhaps we uh, we are not able to confront them um, when maybe the government sins against us so what do we do? We pray psalms of, of lament we cry mm-hmm. out to God about it and then hand over the vengeance to God and then quit hanging on to the anger. Have you noticed how rageful our society has become mm-hmm. lately? Um, uh, there's a, a wonderful book by Ben Sass, the mm-hmm. senator from uh, Nebraska, uh, called Them. And it's about how rage has been the thing the media has been doing to us in the United States. And boy, all of that held on to anger. That is the place where Satan gets a foothold, Paul says, where he can get into us, and by cutting off our love for our neighbor that we're angry with, and we know we're right to be angry with this neighbor, but not going to love this person, we we end up damning that neighbor, excommunicating that neighbor, um, and uh, uh, and refusing to serve and love that neighbor, and you know, boy, Scripture's replete with warnings. When we stop loving our brother who we can see, then how can we love God who we cannot see? So Satan uses this to destroy our trust in Christ, ultimately, by cutting off our love for our neighbor. So this is why it's really important that we uh, repent of our, our sins, that we Uh, Forgive those who sin against us, as we do every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, and enjoy that. (laughs) Enjoy that you're forgiving them. And when somebody sins against us, throw it at God, and know that God cleanses us from the shame of being sinned against. He takes care of that for us. It's okay, and we're free in Him.
0: And this is great, because you hear the old adage— when you go through marriage counseling, um, pre-marriage counseling, or even marriage counseling, that old really a, a wisdom talk or a proverb, if you will, that says, you know, make sure that you don't go to bed angry. I mean, that, that was the yeah. the kind of th- the, the situation you have in a marriage is like don't don't go to bed angry. Now let's be honest, that's not always possible, but but this actually is true for our society. is is okay if you have a real issue with things, don't go to bed angry because all that does. Is cause more issues. I mean, then you start going crazy on Twitter. Or you're going crazy on Facebook, or you just start looking at them as, as Senator Sasse has has said to us, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is not only practical advice. This is a playground for the devil. The devil will get in there, like you said, and take away the energy we could be using to serve in our neighbor and using it towards throwing other people down. I mean, this is this is really very helpful of what not to do. And at the same time, definitely a call to repent.
1: So don't you think all the rioting that happened in the U.S. in the last year, all of it, um, the destructive rioting, um, Mm -hmm. all of that, everybody who did those things thought they were completely justified because they were angry about injustice. You know, if, boy, if we hold on to that anger, um, we think we're good. But really what we're doing is we're calling for justice. And boy, you don't really want to ask God for justice. Right? You, we, we want mercy.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, um, and uh, don't, you never want to say to Jesus, give me what I deserve.
0: <laughs> uh, right, right. I, I did hear uh, somebody, if, if it's a truly just society, then, for example, you take someone like Osama Bin Laden, that when he died, that the only just way to do this is uh, you would kill him and then bring him back to life and kill him for how many people that he killed. That's the only just way. Well, guess what? We can't do it, you know, and that's a, a good example for us too And God is that if he was truly just with us, oh, Lord, have mercy. This is why we have justification is being made right by God as opposed to acting as if it can always truly be, I guess you'd say, just. So thanks be to God. Like you said, that he is not just, he is merciful. So... Other thoughts on these on these verses so far?
1: Well, just I would add one little caveat. I mean, there is a place uh, for like the military to take somebody out that's out to harm us or for the police to take somebody out that's out to harm. You know, I mean, right. There is a there's a, a rightful use of anger. Um, it's just got to be done. It's got to be done within office, you know, and. Uh, properly under god's authority for the protection of others but but for us to hold on to it and nurse it that's a that's the ter- terrible dangerous thing
0: and it's so easy to get bitter it's so easy oh. um in in all times in all places but right now i feel that myself is that you know for for months we we're not able to re leave the house we were kind of confined um, someone said called it the covid con- uh, cocoon that we were in and you, you can get bitter because you just didn't understand you get frustrated for me I have four children they're all at home doing online schooling and and it's so easy to get to this point where anger definitely was there when the sun went down for me um and it gave many opportunities to the devil that we all, look back and, and uh, thank God that God was <laughs> merciful upon us and we move forward only by his grace. Amen. So let's move on, 28 to 29. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. So you may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fit as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm. Here he gives us some very practical advice that I would argue uh, what is connects to the Seventh and Eighth Commandments, ones that I would say really hit us between the eyes often. So how do you want to begin with this? Well, I, I, you're exactly right. I think it's the Seventh and Eighth Commandments. And uh, I, I remember
1: uh, hearing from a a, a a missionary that served in Kenya uh, who described how when Christianity came to this particular town, uh, the normal practice in that town was uh, send your kids out to steal the firewood from your neighbors um, in the morning to to kindle a fire. Um, hmm. and, and it was the Christians who no quit doing that the other normal thing in their society was um, if you gave sold somebody a pail of milk you'd uh, if you, your cow didn't quite fill the pail you'd just add water to it to make it a full pail and and the, sure. and the and the christians would not do that they would not do either of those things right cuz that would be falsehood and that would be stealing and and so they came to be recognized as having like a different way of living than everybody around them. Right. So we um I mean what kind of fun that is. That the the Christians would be more concerned about doing good work with their hands to serve their neighbors. And then from uh the that which is received by working with their hands, they're able to generously give away to people and and to help them. I, what a privilege that is, right? If our Lord gets us in on that. And then with our mouths, uh, it's so hard to control the tongue. Uh, which uh, hmm. anybody who's ever recorded a radio show could tell you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, um, but we're we're not. Uh, our our talk is not to be tearing other people down all the time. Instead, our mouths are to be mouths that confess uh, Christ and deliver a kindness. Mercy to other people and encouragement. Uh, John Kleining, a mutual friend of ours, um, mm-hmm. has been encouraging people recently uh, that every time you meet somebody and, uh, you know, at a store or wherever, that you end up blessing them, that you end up blessing you you know, bless your day, you know, uh, uh, the Lord keep you, whatever. Um, He's been doing this now for a couple of years. And he says, not a single person has gotten mad at him when he does this. And I challenge all of our listeners to try this out. I've been trying it. I don't always remember, but boy, is it powerful to use your mouth to deliver a blessing to people who are certainly not expecting it. Uh, And uh, you know, We get to carry the holiness of Christ around in his body and blood given to us. And so we get to radiate that in the way we speak even by placing blessing on them.
0: Well, and and, John, and, and Dr. Kleine is a such, such a nice guy that who's going to get mad at him when he's doing that? I mean, it, that's part oh, of you it too, too, isn't it?
1: <laughs> that's you. You're such a nice guy, except for being a Vikings
0: fan. But otherwise. Oh, there it is. Yeah, we, we try. We try. Um, and it, it's very helpful because this is a small catechism talk too. It's not only what you don't do, but what you do do. Um, and I'm, I'm reminded a little bit for those um, who are listening, we have in our LCMS world, we have Lutheran Women's Missionary League, and I have this blessed group of ladies in my congregation that are in LWML, and I do Bible studies with them once a month, and they always will do the league pledge. And part of that league pledge says this. We consecrate our Savior, our hands to work for Him, our feet to go on His errands, our voice to sing His praises, our lips to proclaim His redeeming love, our silver and gold to extend His kingdom, and so forth. And all of this—that it's very—it's not only a proclamation of this is who we are, but it's a proclamation of what we do. And and you think about, okay, if my hands are full, what should it be full of? Not something I stole, but something I can give. You know, if my mouth is full of words, what should I use it for? A blessing, like Dr. Klein, it says, and even prayer to extend it away from myself and to pray for other people. Um, and I, one, one thing I, I realized, too, I think it was on Vicarage. Uh, Vicarage is when you have an internship for in the Missouri Synod for pastors. And on this on this time, it, it, he, he, he's kind of like, OK, whenever someone kind of gives you something to pray for, pray for it right there. You know, don't use your words for other things. Like I will pray for you. Pray, use the words now to lift it up to God in prayer, which I thought was good advice because now people know if they call me and they tell me something, I'm going to pray with them right there. Even if they're driving, but just don't close your eyes. I tell them.
1: (laughs) 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 Good idea. Yes. That's a good
0: idea. Amen
1: to pray right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to to bless people that are burdened and heartbroken and. We get to enact our, our Lord's word in prayer and then by delivering that word to them as a blessing that the Lord, you know, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The Lord the Lord's mm. taking care of you. He's, he's giving you his gifts right now.
0: And that's our encouragement for us today is that we use, we know our identity. We know we have a clear conscience. Now, how can we use the gifts that he's given to us to his glory and in service to the neighbor? And this continues on in the rest of our verses. And we have about uh, not even 10 minutes here left, Pastor. And I want to refocus really on these because it, it speaks about identity. It speaks some words that maybe don't quite make sense, grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and to get some practical applications of how you've seen this work in your congregation and how you would encourage us to live our lives as well. So let's read our last few verses. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. So let's start with this. I want to get your thoughts on, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I think it means uh,
1: but, uh, so. I uh, and I, yeah. I'm not. Uh, this isn't my total expertise area, but right. um, it. We know from Ephesians chapter one. Um, if I could just read verse thirteen. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit was given to us when we heard the gospel, um, and He created faith in us. We, do, uh, as it says in Acts, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit opened Lydia's heart to hear Saint Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so no one can believe. No one could say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we we only believe in Jesus because the Holy Spirit's created faith in us. But when we reject the word of God in both law and gospel um, were sinning against the Holy Spirit. Um, the, so I like this insight that uh, Dr. Kleining's been sharing lately um, from a layman named Haman, uh, that the triune God made himself vulnerable. The Father, by creating the world, and people enjoy the world and use the world, but they forget to thank the Father for it. Um, so he made himself vulnerable to people being ungrateful. The son obviously made himself vulnerable to people uh, yelling at him, screaming at him, nailing him to the cross and so forth. Um, and the Holy Spirit made himself vulnerable by inspiring the sacred scriptures. So by having the scriptures written, um, when we misuse the scriptures or when we ignore them and don't listen to them or uh, we uh, uh, deride the scriptures or mock them. Um, we're sinning against the Holy Spirit, right? It, it, this is mm. his work. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Instead, instead uh, use the word of God to, to show us our sins so we can repent of them and show us the best way to live so we can live that way and hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These two things, by the way, uh, John writes in Revelation 12, uh, I think it's 17, are the, the two things that Satan is going to attack the most. The church that holds to the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus, which, boy, that's probably most of your listeners go to churches that hold the command that keep the commandments of God, still hold them as the right standard and hold to the testimony of who Jesus is, his saving work for us. This is where Satan's gonna attack because that's where the power is, right? Where we know our sin and we repent of it and we receive the gospel of Jesus and believe it. This is the Holy Spirit's work. So we don't want to greed that. We don't want to ignore it or mistreat it.
0: I want to say, I remember you telling a story once, I remember, um, oh shoot, there's a couple of pastors who were telling some stories and we were kind of talking about some sports analogies and so forth. And you said, wow, that's great. You know, I don't have any of those sports stories, Um, but you you did tell of a time you were wrestling as a kid. And can you, can you retell that and how that relates to holding on to the grace of God? Oh yeah. Well, that's a pretty embarrassing story. So I was, I was. (laughs) I was not
1: very athletic. I did golf a little, uh, and uh, but Saint uh, Paul says to hold uh, a the uh, faith and a clear conscience, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in wrestling class and PE class, uh, uh, I was. Not a very good wrestler. So my goal was to not get taken down. But when I got taken down, I would just hold on the mat. I would spread eagle and hold onto to the mat with all I had. And I would <laughs> um, try to keep the guy from turning me over, which – in inevitably, my opponents would get so frustrated that they couldn't turn me over, that they'd use some illegal move like a double Nelson, and they'd get disqualified, and then I won the match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but we, we don't create the faith. We don't create the faith. We don't create our clean conscience. These are given to us by the Holy Spirit. We just hold on to them. That's what we hold do. On. We hold on. And that's the victory. The victory's been won by Christ. We just hold on to it.
0: Just hold on. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. Now you have a visual, not only of, of him holding a towel over a bride's neck, but also him as a victorious wrestler. Anyways, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is this? That's the day of Christ's return. So you've already been
1: redeemed, of course, at your baptism and by the saving work of Jesus' death and resurrection, which was made years of baptism. But uh, the day of redemption also then refers to the return of Christ when we're going to be redeemed soul and body. And my goodness, I get to throw these glasses away. How fun that'll be. be. Renewed and strong and healthy in our Lord
0: and all of this leads us to the last two verses is the understanding of we are sealed with the robe we we're sealed we have the robes of Christ's righteousness he will return and we know the promises we have at that time so then really what are we to let go of bitterness wrath anger clamor and slander be put away along with all malice any thoughts on that list that's quite extensive but tell me about that list what are your thoughts Sounds
1: like every news network I've ever watched. (laughs) Um, Oh uh, oh my goodness, the rage in our society, right? And 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 yeah, it's just sort of everywhere. And that word for clamor is like you know the shouting, the the angry. So, yeah, I don't know about you. Uh, I, when I've prayed at abortion clinics, um, mm-hmm. so often you get flipped off or you get yelled at or, the, you know, they yell awful stuff at you. Um, I, By the way, I love to smile at them and make the sign of the cross back. Yeah. Um, I'd like yeah. to bless back to their anger. Um, and you know what? Nobody's reacted to that uh, ever by being even more angry. Which is shocking to me. I would expect that would tick them off more, but but it actually, I think it it sort of uh, uh, calms things down to be graceful in the midst of somebody else's raging. Have you ever had somebody just screaming at you and you just stay calm? And, and what do they do? <laughs> I mean, but right. it, it doesn't it doesn't change your your way of moving, and you stay calm. And I mean, I, I could see our Lord that way, right? Um, handling all this rage and just blessing. In the midst of it,
0: and this it reminds me a little bit. We're going through the passion account during our Lenten services, and when you have Jesus talking to Annas the high priest, that's when the the officer, you know, slaps him, you know, and, and says, "Is this how you talk to the high priest?" And Jesus says, "I'm sorry. What did I say wrong?" I mean, that's a paraphrase, but I'm sorry. What did I say wrong? And the next part of that is basically like it seems to be that they didn't really know what to say, so they sent him to Caiaphas. And so we get that feeling, uh, that understanding of, of God putting away bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor and slander in our Lord Jesus and showing us a model for us as well on how we are to live our lives. Because there people react like they don't know what to do. So they kind of sent them away. And for us, when we bring peace, a lot of times they don't know what to do, but they will definitely not. Uh, gonna, they're going to remember that moment as opposed to when you yell back at them and then just proves everything that they had to say see they're bitter see they're wrathful see they're angry but we pray for the lord's peace to be upon us and that goes in 32 yep. he tells us to be kind tender-hearted and forgiving how how do we do that pastor tell us well um, yeah
1: well that, the word for kind there i think is is uh, related to the word christ right? Mm-hmm. So we're to be like Christ. So I, there's a, my favorite, uh, re, well, there's a picture at one of the retreat centers we've been at recently where, where Jesus is uh, in one frame being nailed to the cross and in another being mocked and scourged. And his right hand is up in blessing to the man who's nailing his left hand, to the man who's scourging him. Right. Isn't that beautiful? Right. That our Lord answers our bitterness and rage and our sins against him with forgiveness and mercy and peace to us like he did with the apostles in the upper room. who He should have slapped around. You guys, why weren't you there at the grave when I rose from the dead? I told you I was going to do this. (laughs) but But instead, he says, peace be with you. That's how we do it. We we let our Lord forgive us. And give us his peace so we can be kind and forgiving to one another. And particularly to those close to us, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, our parents, you know, um, they need more kindness. They need more love, not less.
0: If you were to look at these verses for in about 30 seconds here, Pastor, how would you summarize these verses that we read today?
1: So we could still be walking the way we were walking before our Lord got a hold of us, but that would be futility and darkness and, uh, and a lack of knowledge. Instead, we've been free. We've been freed in Christ to, to put on his holiness, his righteousness, to delight in his love for us, and show, so to show that loving kindness and tender mercy to all those the Lord gives in our life.
0: Pastor David Fleming of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Executive Director of Spiritual Care at Doxology. Pastor Fleming, thank you for being our guest. Oh, you're most welcome. Saints of our Lord, Christ has forgiven you. Put off the old self, falsehood, anger, stealing, and the like, and be renewed by the Holy Spirit. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. No corrupting talk from your mouth. Build each other up and forgive because it is the Lord Jesus who has forgiven you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of His hands.